This podcast is brought to you by BeatStars, the number one marketplace to buy and sell beats. In this episode, our host DJ Payne One sits down with music producer Othello to discuss how he quit his job to make six figures selling beats. To our pro page users, don't forget to check out our opportunities and challenges on BeatStars World for a chance to work with some of the industry's best creators. If you're not a pro page member, but would like to try it out, use the code PODCAST for a 30-day free trial. And of course, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Enjoy the show. Yo, 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 yo. We sound all right? Yeah, I think we sound good. Okay, that's all that matters. Oh, cool. Someone says we sound good. Um... It's, it's already a tough crowd. They were mad at me for some of the beats that were playing in the background. Okay, so I switched it. Really? <laughs> it was the same ones I was hearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's because when I go to the timer, it by default plays it in a certain order, so they're hearing the same beats that they heard last week. Uh-huh. So I tried to switch it up for them. But it, they're going to be a tough crowd, and they get to ask questions throughout this conversation. So be, be prepared for, for that. Um, but, you know... You need no introduction. I'm going to give you an introduction anyway. Everyone knows who you are. People are already talking about you in the chat, talking about if you don't pull up in a limo or a yacht to this interview, they're going to be disappointed. So they're aware of how amazing (laughs) of a year you've had, how amazing of a come up you've had um, within the last 365 days. His name is Othello Beats. What's going on, sir? Appreciate you uh, joining us today. What's up, y'all? How are you, man? I'm, I'm great. Um... Just when I think I'm having a great year, though, I look at somebody like you, and I'm like, damn. Um, how long have you been producing? Uh, for Since 2016. So, so it's been four, four years. years. Yeah. At what point along those four years did it become your career? Uh, 2019. Okay, so, so it took a good three year. years. Uh-huh. I think yeah. Mike, I heard Mike Tramp. You say it was like the three-year plan is is something that he sees as kind of standard. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, um, is the chat going to show up on this on the screen? Um, I can make I can make certain things show up on the screen, but yeah. Oh, we, I we see it now. It. Okay, yeah, I see it. All right, word. Yo, they're saying what's up? What's up, y'all? Yeah, sorry. Where were we at? Um, I I don't remember. Uh, here, here's a question for you: How would you describe your sound? Um, definitely, I would say my drums hit, and I would say definitely soulful as well, and um, melodic most of the time. Because I think it's interesting. A lot of upcoming very producers, simple. I hear them say stuff like, you know in order to sell beats online, you got to make trap beats or you have to make trendy beats or what sounds like what's playing on the radio. Uh-huh. Um, in your experience, is that true? Nah. Um, I definitely, you know, try to make that as well, but nah, that's not true when it comes to selling beats. You know, people are just always looking for something different. You know, you never know what they're looking for. You just might have it. Yeah, yeah I was... I was who was I talking to? Um, I guess Dreamlight. We were having a conversation just about kind of the soulful beat niche on YouTube specifically. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, I put Othello under that umbrella of soulful beats. And there there aren't that many of us making those types of tracks. Yeah, I know, right? Makes it uh, less competition. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, <laughs> any, any favorite plugins that you use or find yourself using pretty much regularly? Um, definitely Omnisphere, and, uh, um, that's, like, the main one. When it comes to, like, synths-wise and finding, like, sounds, but when it comes to, like, effects, definitely, uh, and, like, compressors and stuff, I use the Ozone and Waves. And you love EQing the hell out of samples, too. You just use the stock EQ, or what do you use for that? Uh, I use Fab when it comes to that. Fab filter. Forgot to mention that one. And what do you do? You band pass or you just you just low shelf and high shelf at the same time? Um, it usually depends. It's always different. 
Uh, yeah. So it's always different. Like it'd be both sometimes. What? Yeah. Yeah, because I've noticed that, and and when you do that, it adds so much space to your beat. It kind it makes the, the 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 sample sound a little more in the background, and whoever raps over it, their vocals really shine. Uh huh. Gives them space. Would you say that's important, and that's you know big reason why your beats sell because they're just so easy to rap on. Um. Yeah, and I always notice the ones that because I, sometimes I would have picked something out that I thought was uh, very complex and it wouldn't sell as much. And I'm like, yeah, why isn't the one that sounds better selling more? But then I realized the more simple, you know, and the easier for the vocals to be on there, the more so. It's always a, it's always the most simple ones that sell the most. It's crazy. Yeah, that's that's that reminds me of the conversation I had with um Bubba got beats because he, you know, he did the ten tones challenge, and I feel like, you know, your your beats and his beats sound very different stylistically, but in terms of spacing and in terms of a lot of the elements, I'm like there's there are similarities here, um, in terms of how you mix, how you you know approach constructing a beat, how you approach the different elements that you put in a beat. Uh huh. I don't know if you feel that way. Um, so <laughs> you had a really dope moment. And this is like, it, it's so funny because um, have, you, have you ever heard people try to draw a line between, you know, internet producers and, and the industry? And they'll say stuff like, industry rappers don't want tight beats. Real rappers don't want tight beats. Yeah. Record labels don't want tight beats. Yeah, it's weird, yeah. <laughs> so that's why, and when you, you, so you, this is an exciting moment. Um, you had this moment when Meek Mill filmed himself freestyling to one of your beats that went viral. And, uh, you know, it, it, you tweeted, this is another win for, I think you said for internet producers, or this is a, a for big YouTube win for producers. YouTube producers, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, that was crazy. Yeah, how did how did that happen? How did he get that beat? Uh I assume YouTube. You know, like when in the video he's on YouTube, like I can see it, like he's on my channel, and like my tags are going throughout. So um, yeah, I assume it's YouTube. And um, he said, like I was looking in the comments on Instagram, he said he just typed it in. That was what was first. Like I was ranking like crazy on that beat. So I mean, on that keyword, Meek Mill type beat. So. That must have been the first one. I'm guessing he was like, yo, this is fire. Pull it up. And uh, he actually recorded it. And I saw on his, sto- on his story like weeks ago, but he just deleted it right after for like a smidge. So like, but this was like so different. Like he actually recorded this and it made it like a freestyle and whatever. So yeah, that was that was just a, a really blessing, yo. It was like clutch, you know, like it came out of nowhere. And I was like, wow, amazing. Like, so well, you and me are in the same city, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know if he stays in Philly, but I know he's from Philly. So, is there is there some outreach going on? Um, I mean, I don't really know, to be honest. Fair enough. Like, oh, do I reach out to him? Well, I just mean, are you you know, is there like a a conversation happening? Oh yeah, that's what I hear. But you know, <laughs> you just hear it. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if I'm trying to dig for some some exclusive content here. Don't some mind. sauce. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, because, so, yeah, when I type in, if I just go to YouTube right now and type in Meat Mill Type Beat, you come uh-huh. up number one. Yeah. And it's that beat that he used in his in his viral video. Yeah. So that that goes to show you we ha- we've had um, a lot of conversations about ranking on YouTube, and that, that goes to show you the importance of ranking on YouTube. Because if he had... You know, if your beat was on page 20 and not page one, he probably never would have heard it. Yeah, <laughs> for real. So I want to—I definitely want to talk about that and, and your strategies uh, with regards to YouTube and, and SEO optimization. I know you know a lot about that stuff. Um, ha- has that attention from Meek Mill's viral clip translated into more followers or, or more beat sales for you? Sorry, can you say that last part? I disconnected my headphones. I heard it past the uh, the SEO, like the searching. Yeah, so now that you had all this 
success, viral success and viral attention yeah. from this Meek Mill moment, has that translated into more sales for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially for that beat. It went crazy. Even crazier after that. Like, it actually hit a million on YouTube now. It was at, like, 800-something when uh, before Meek got on it, and then it hit a million, and then people just started, like, buying it even more, like, and, like, tagging me in it and tagging Meek in it and stuff like that. So, yeah, we have a question going, coming in. We're going to have questions coming in throughout. I'm just going to try to ask the um, the relevant ones. So, Mixtape B King says, how long have you been using the Meek Mill tag to rank so highly? Uh, I started in 2018. And, um, yeah, I just kept consistent with it. And uh, I feel like me being from Philly helps a lot more because... Whenever I go to studios around here, like they're always using my beats in Philly. So I feel like the location, me being a Philly, just makes it makes more sense as well. And I weirdly feel like that helps with me rank even more. Like I don't know why, but like I feel like that has something to do with it. And um, yeah, just staying consistent with it and actually hitting the target, like making like it really sound like Meek is going to actually be on it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, some I feel like some people say it's a type B and it don't even sound like the artist is going to be on it. So if someone's trying to listen to it, they're not going to be like, you know, I hear Meek on this. Like if it if you don't hear Meek on it, so definitely just making it make sure it sounds like it's a Meek beat. It's definitely important. Here's a, a question you mentioned your headphones. I just switch headphones for for this broadcast to the um. I guess these are the Sennheisers. Usually I use the AKGs for mixing, and I really like them, but they have this kind of uncomfortable thing at the top. Uh-huh. When you take it off, it you feel like a stegosaurus because it puts an imprint in your head. What what kind of yeah. headphones do you use for mixing? I, I don't really even wear headphones for mixing. I just mix with the monitors. What kind of monitors do you use? HS8. Oh, the Yamaha HS8? Yeah, the Yamahas. Yeah. I got those. Why aren't I ranking number one on Meek Mill type beat? Um, <laughs> what kind of um, mixing tips would you have that that you you know maybe wish you had had when you had first started? Um. Uh, make room for the vocals, I guess. Take out some of the highs sometimes. Um, I don't know. I don't think my mixing is crazy, so it's not much I feel like I like I've learned to be honest. Um, yeah, and like I just always try to make my eight always like really slap. Like, so sometimes I give them a little extra push in the uh, in the low end, but that's it. You're just boosting it on the EQ. Do you, do you do anything with the the kick? Like, do you side chain? I know a lot of producers side chain their kicks. Yeah, to never. Their, yeah. So. <laughs> not never nah, at all. No. Nah. I think that's I don't know I could I could understand that for like EDM but not for hip hop. Do you? I just have favorite drum kits that you use that you just that have they're they're your go to kits. They just sound good every time. Uh yeah, I kind of made my own. I haven't released it, but I have I do have one. And um, other than myself, uh. I say like OZ, KBZ. Um, I like Boy Wonder's kit. Wonder Girl, like that type. Their stuff's hard, yo. This is a good comment. Um, DJ Payne doesn't understand it takes hard work. He makes excuses on monitors. My bad for making excuses for myself. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry, comment at you. <laughs> every time. Um, you produced a record on Pop Smoke's Meet the Woo 2. How did that track yeah. get placed? Uh, it was crazy because I remember like exactly how like I was driving and then my lawyer just called me. And he was like, Pop Smoke wants to use your beat. And then um, we just, they sent over the paperwork. I sent over the stems and then like, I don't know where. Like I just woke up one morning, I was ironing and I went on Instagram and people were tagging me. I mean, like, Instagram, they're DMing me, like, yo, I hear you beat. And there's always people from YouTube that point it out first for me because, like, they hear my beat on YouTube. So when they listen to a new album, they'll be like, I know this beat from somewhere. And then they'll come DM me or, like, go on YouTube in the comments. That's usually how I get it first if I don't see it first. So, um, yeah, 
I saw that, and that's how it happened. How did he find the beat? Uh, I assume from YouTube, to be honest. It was just crazy. And it was a, uh, it was a Meek Mill type beat. Mm. Yeah. Uh, coincidentally, right? <laughs> well, okay, so here's the question then. Was that beat pretty popular already? Was it getting a lot of views, or was it one of the um, lower-ranking ones? It was like 80-something thousand. So I think that's like medium. That's like okay. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's all pretty, relative. It's chilling. Yeah. Uh, you said your lawyer called you. I didn't know. So how did how did he how did your lawyer find out about? Oh, um, Stephen Victor texted my lawyer Carl. You probably know Carl. Texted oh yeah. Carl. No, I had him on. I had you and him on. Yeah. So Steven must have texted Carl. I was like, yo, we got we got pop on it. And yeah, Carl called me and I was driving. I I was this is like last year, like not even that long ago. I was working. Uh I used to drive like kids to school and like back to the uh to the job. It was like a aftercare and I like helped them with homework and stuff. So yeah, I was just driving to pick them up and then I saw that like text. So I pulled over and searched up Pop Smoke. Cause so I was like, I think I know who this is. And then, uh, yeah, I heard, uh, like, Dior and stuff, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy. And then I was like, wait, what What beat do I have that, like, even sounds anything like this guy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have any drill beats. I've never made one in my life. So I was just like, okay. like. And then, yeah, they told me what beat it was, and I was like, you know, I sent it over, and there was a leak on YouTube. So I actually heard it before it came out, but, um, yeah, it was crazy. So how did that? Uh, negotiation process work. Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty easy, and that was my first placement. So I was like, oh, I guess all placements are easy like this, but like, nah. But yeah, that was the first. <laughs> no, one. they're not. <laughs> that was the first one, and it was actually really easy and smooth. So yeah, they kept it really smooth. It was quick, and it was fair. Like sample got cleared. You know what I mean? Like I was like, wow, this is beautiful. <laughs> like first placement. So yeah. That's how it was. Everything was cool. So Carl folks represented you legally. How did you first link up with Carl? From producer grind, which is crazy. I saw the episode and, that, and then it said like he was from like Philly, New Jersey. So I was like, all right, I found his Twitter. And then, yeah, I just DM'd him. What, what did you say? It. What was that conversation like? Because a lot of producers wait until it's kind of grind time like they already have a placement on the line and they need a lawyer to contact the lawyer but it sounds like you yeah. were proactive and you networked with him in advance yeah because someone was trying to sign me so I, I i hit him up and i was like yeah because literally it was like perfect timing because i saw that episode when these people were trying to sign me so i sent him over the contract and we just kicked it from there and he's like the homie Okay, without giving too many details, what was that situation where someone was trying to sign you like? Uh, well, they're like, um, where are they? They're like this uh, label around Philly. And um, yeah, they were just interested in uh, signing me. And um, at the time, of course, I'm hyped because I'm like, oh, this is my first deal. Like, this is crazy. They could probably help me get placements. Then... I showed Carl, and Carl's like, yeah, like, definitely don't do this. So I was mm. like, all right, trust you, Carl. I didn't do it. And then I learned after, like, yo, like, I would have been crazy to sign that. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. It was was it a production deal? Uh, what was it? Like, they were just, they were like, we can help you. <laughs> I don't even, like, remember this kind of stuff. They are like, we can help you get placements with, like, all these people that they know I want to get placements with, stuff like that, like. And, um, yeah, like, it was a publishing deal. They wanted to take 50%. Oh, no. So, okay, so this yeah. could have been really bad. Because now you yeah, have a definitely. gang of placements. And you yeah, would by be myself. by yourself. Yeah, so right. you're, not, you're not splitting with anybody at this point. Exactly. Like, that yeah, would have been a terrible, a bad one. Terrible. And, and um, it and the whole time I was sketchy about it, like, I was excited, but I was still thinking, like, yo, like, do I really want to do this? Because the part that I don't like is how they could take a percentage 
even if they don't get the placement for me, like then it's like, okay, like now you're just chilling, eating off of me for like, why am I here? You know what I'm saying? Running around getting placements and you're just at home, like, or just like in Miami or something. Do they offer you in advance? Uh, no. Nah. <laughs> oh, well, they weren't going to give you anything. Nah, like it was just, just going to take, just going to take. So yeah, nah, I skipped it over and, um, yeah, that, I don't think that was the only one either. Like, there's been a few. And, uh, yeah, it was just been turning them down. That was just terrible. That's just crazy. Um, yeah, I'm definitely not the only one against them, though. I see them on people complain about it on Twitter all the time. Like, yeah. Like, people are just getting offerings, anything. Well, I'm <laughs> seeing people getting offerings for distribution deals for record deals for publishing deals all types of deals with companies that really don't exist in any real way and oftentimes they're asking for money from the person they're trying to sign like a manager saying i'll manage you for for two thousand a month or i'll manage you for 300 a month they're all sign you to to a distribution deal for Five hundred dollars or something crazy, you still get that then? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, nah, definitely don't take that. And it sounds all good in the moment, especially like if you're sixteen or something. Like mm. they're probably like, yes, like I'm on. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they want to just take that, and it's like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you could just wait. You know, I have a cousin who's a producer, and I'm always telling them like, just chill. Like, you don't have to sign so right away. Like, it's not that serious. Like. Yeah, um, it, it it's sad to see happen, especially for younger people who really don't even know what their options are, and someone comes along with a deal and talks their ear off and finesses them into thinking that this is a good opportunity, and then for the next however many years, they're locked into a horrible situation. And then yeah. the, I think the worst part is like, the kind of spiritual implications of that where their spirits are just broken and they don't even want to work anymore. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm hating it. Because it's like, it's like slavery almost, kind of, in a way. Like, it's terrible, yo. Yeah, if you're, if you're working, if you're locked in to paying somebody for all of your work and they're not doing anything... Uh-huh. Yeah, what, where's your motivation to make music? It takes the love out of it. Yeah. It's even worse for artists sometimes. Like, producers get it bad, but I feel like artists get it, like, terrible as well. Mm. It's both. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is is coming out with the whole Kanye exposing the contracts thing. But, you know, that's that's the Kanye level, and we're kind of talking about the the getting DMs on Instagram level. So it sounds like it's just yeah. happening every everywhere. Yeah, every, yeah. Everyone's getting... Every uh, Everyone was getting it. <laughs> that's the craziest level to see it happening at, though. Like, because that's the level everyone wants to be. So to see that it's happening at that level as well, like, imagine what it can happen to me. Like, when I saw it happen to Hit Boy, I'm like, wow, like, jeez. Yeah, you don't get bigger than him. <laughs> yeah, like, dang. So, um, are you signed to any kind of deal now, a publishing deal, anything? No, I'm not. So you stayed independent. Why did you choose to, to stay independent, even though I'm sure you've had offers with all these placements? Uh, because I just don't need that. Like, the whole point, they say it's just for the advance. Like, I feel like I'm independent enough where I make a salary off of selling beats online. Like, I don't need the, the advance. Like, I can make that on my own. Like, just take back my uh, publishing when it's time to cut it. What kind of deal would make sense for you if... if- you could picture the perfect deal that you would be willing to sign right now. What would that look like? Uh, right now, uh, I don't know. Not even why I don't know. Cause like I don't eighty like, million. Oh, eight, <laughs> 80 million. Jeez, like <laughs> I don't know. Like what? What do I have to do? Like, come on, for eighty million, I probably have to do something crazy. But uh, in the moment, though, like nah, like I'm not really itching for any. I'm still trying to learn it as well, you know? So I feel like the more experience I get, the more people I talk to, then I can, like, weigh out my options instead of just jumping right to it. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem with signing 
is the whole process of of these things is just they try to rush you, rush you, rush you, rush you, rush you. Um, have you ever had that experience with oh, selling yeah. a beat? Oh, uh, with selling a beat. Oh, it, like with a, to a label, they try to rush you and say, "Okay, you got to sign this, otherwise." It's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Using I've had that happen. Yeah, and the song didn't even drop yet, and this is like months ago. They were like on me, like it was about to drop tonight or something, and it had. This is like, this is like the time that Pop Smoke like we're doing that paperwork. So like this is like way back January, February, and it still hasn't came out yet. So I knew they needed to chill. Carl told me too. He was like, "Yo, like." Don't get rushed by these guys. Like, like that's how they get you sometimes. Like, just relax. Like, if they really want to put this out, they'll wait. You think they were trying to rush you just so that you would sign and not negotiate higher? Um, right now, I was talking about that for a placement for a song, but that hasn't. Well, that happened too for the for the deal that the guy wanted to pay me up for for the publishing. That did happen, but um. Yeah, like I was like some days I just wasn't even answering because I'm like still thinking about it. like this is a big deal like you don't just I'm not like I, I even at that time I wasn't itching for the money like that so I was like bro like I'm taking my time. Yeah, I, I mean that, that recently happened to me with a major, and I feel bad because I had I brought in a guitarist to help you know play on the record you know co-composed with me and like that i think the album came out this week i'm not gonna say which um i just i i'm used to it at this point all the placements i've gotten it's like they call it in advance but it's anything but it comes months after the projects even drop yeah in Uh, most cases yeah i'm having that right now too it is what it is that's why i'm just like i don't that's exactly why i do this like so i don't have to depend on that like yeah, it's it's for me it changed everything because I was I was the idiot that had the the major placements, and I thought I'm never going selling beats online. Why would I sell beats online? That's crazy. And now I'm doing that. And then when a label comes at me with some kind of trash contract, or they're they're just not respecting me, um, or behaving professionally, like you said, like they're trying to rush or they're trying to you know, undervalue or, you know, whatever. I'm like, I don't care because I'd rather work with, with, you know, the unsigned artists on BeatStars anyway. Yeah, exactly. Build Building is way more important. Like, there's no need to chase the, um, the, the A-list anyway. It's like, what's the point? They don't care about you. Like, build with the people that are going to be on the come up so that when they are A-list, if they make it there, which is like, hopefully, then... You're right there, you know what I'm saying? Like that boy wanted the Drake kind of thing. Like, I have a question. I think this is kind of complex. Um, have you ever had any issues with a big artist wanting to beat that was already sold? Um, and I guess a lot of producers, too, I think the second part is really important. A lot of producers are afraid that if they put a beat online and it's gotten licensed before, that yeah. a major artist isn't going to want it. Yeah, uh, no, that has happened to me. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. Like, I, I don't. I feel like that's like something I don't want to deal with. So, <laughs> I just hope that doesn't happen. But with the Pop Smoke record, that was a a beat that had already garnered eighty thousand views, right? So they didn't yeah. care about that. Yeah, same with the Tory one. Like, they didn't care. Like, okay, so the Tory Lanez placement. That's a number one album this week, as we speak. That's number one, right? Yeah, crazy. And that was another beat that, that he got off of YouTube? Uh, yeah, his producer found it on YouTube and they hit me up. Oh, his producer found it? Yeah. yeah his producer found it. His producer, like, slash engineer found it and reached out. It was, like, send a pack, and that was one of them in there. And That's crazy. it was the one that he pointed out, so obviously that one was going to get, like, chosen, but yeah. Yeah, it, it's a different time because a lot of producers are just totally paranoid about putting beats online and thinking they can't do anything with those beats once they're online, and that's obviously not the case. Yeah, um, nah, it's still a possibility. I've, of course, it's not going to happen every time. Like, you know, it's still like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's still a rare thing. 
that happens. It's not as rare though, to be honest. But um, I I feel like as time goes on, it's being less rare. But yeah, it's still a possibility. I still I say still do it. Here's another question: What are your thoughts on selling exclusives? Is that something that you you do right now, or is it something you avoid? Nah, from the start, I've always been picky. Like I think I've sold maybe like like four or five exclusives in my lifetime, like max. Like uh, I, I'm not itching for that either because I rather I'm all about it being good music. Like if it's good music, like if an artist comes through and like I really like it, then of course we can do exclusive. Like I don't even care about the the bread like that when it comes to that. But however, like I'm not selling exclusive just because you have the money or like. Like if you're upcoming, at least, and if it's not that good, like no, I'm, I'll just cut your deal on the limited rights. Like I give you that option, but nah, exclusive. I usually just do it if it's a uh, major, if they really because they need it. But if you're upcoming, like you have to at least have a like a good song to it, and have a plan before I do. Because I mean the thing with so like a beat like the the viral beat that Meat Mill freestyled over, right? Yeah, um, a million views. That's only that happened to me recently with a beat that went viral. Um, they those beats generate a lot of money. Yeah, they do. And so, how do you price your exclusives? Uh, I feel like it's different for every beat. To be honest, I feel like every beat has different value to it in a in a in a way. So, um, uh, a beat like that, I know is like definitely like high value. So I don't even know. To be honest, like, what it would go for exclusive, but something that has caught no attention that I'm like, eh, it's all right. But this guy really wants it. Like, I'll kick off some fair, like, but uh, yeah, be like that. I'm not too sure. But at this point, I feel like everyone in the world has wrapped over. Like, well, wow, <laughs> you might as well just get unlimited rights. But I mean, I don't know. Do you have a lot of those conversations then? Because I know, I mean, for me, I have rappers contacting me every day asking for exclusives. And it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, I could ask you for a bunch of money for for an exclusive beat. But is that in your best interest? Is that in my best interest? So you try to, I try to have a conversation with them and really figure out some kind of compromise. How, how do you approach those conversations? Yeah, it's like every day. And uh, I just tell them the usual, like... Uh... Um. Yeah, what I just told you, I give them, I'll give them the option. I'll say this is what exclusives go for, but in this case, like unlimited rights might work better, you know. And if the song exceeds, like goes, if it's going crazy, like yeah, we can negotiate exclusive. But I'm not just doing exclusive off the bat. Mm. Since. I started selling beats online, even before I started selling beats online. I've heard producers saying the game was too saturated and too competitive for any new beat makers to find <laughs> success. Um, yeah. <laughs> you recently, you, you got to the point where you could quit your job within the last, you know, 12, yeah. 13 months. It's, yeah. What do you feel about that whole saturation concept? I used to believe it too, to be honest. Like I used to be one of them. I was like, you know, maybe, maybe it is too saturated. And then I never did it. And then I did it. And then I was like, wow, like it's actually a lot. Like it's really not. And it is, but like you can make yourself stand out. Like that's just what it is. And that comes with branding. Like that's, that's so important. If you're not branding, then of course you're going to be in the saturation. Like, Cause you don't stand out, bro. What are some of the, the strongest branding decisions you've made for yourself uh even in the beginning i didn't really know i was doing it until i started doing it and i'm like wow i've been branding like one of them was using the red like my logo's red and then i look back and they're like saying the videos like red stands out and stuff like like target so i'm like wow like i guess that was a good one and um what else like i just sometimes there's certain sounds that i put in my piece that like you hear like often, so I feel that's like one of them. Um, the consistency, I feel like, is part of your brand. Like if you drop a lot, like that's part of your brand. Um, and uh, 
I mean, I don't know if this really helps because they say like you should use a, a a bright background. Like you, I don't know if you've seen my videos, they're like black, like and white, like they're dark. But I don't know if that helps. To be honest, like I I can't guarantee that helps. I don't know. I don't think it does. Well, you're branding right now because your room is kind of red. Um, you, yeah, you like and my up. hoodie's black. My hands, my hat's red. <laughs> like you know there what I'm saying. Go. Every time you see me, um. You, well, you said something just now that I wanted to pick up on about brand. On consistency. The colors? Oh. No, so you said dropping consistently is part of branding. Um, yeah. What kind of schedule do you put yourself on? And has that changed over the last couple of years? Uh, I've always just kept it to three times a week at least. Like sometimes I'll slip off, but I'm like, you know, like, if I'm not posting because I have B-Block or something, then I'm like, all right, I'll just put in more hours into, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, going through the marketing stuff, going through ads. But, uh, yeah, when it comes to uploading, I try to do three times a week. Sometimes I'll do less. Sometimes I'll do more. I don't I don't be too hard on myself because I don't want to hate it, you know? Sure, sure. Uh, what did you do before? You said you were driving... Um, kids to uh, yeah, after yeah. school program, and you were also a yeah. tutor. Did you go to Did you go to school before you decided to pursue music? Uh, no, I went to this engineering program though in Philly, and uh, it was like I didn't really learn anything. I'm not gonna lie; like I wasn't interested in learning Pro Tools like that. But at least I have the experience, and um, yeah, I did that, and then like I just started popping off right after. So like everything came in clutch, like literally clutch. Because I had no, like, I don't know, not that I didn't have an idea. I knew I wanted to do music, but I knew I didn't want to, like, have to stall time, you know, like, and work a job that I didn't want to work or uh, go to school for something I didn't want to go to school for. So it came in clutch. So you didn't have to deal with the family dynamic of wanting to <laughs> quit your job or to quit school to pursue music? Uh, well, nah, like, the whole thing with my parents was they just wanted me to go to school. Like, they still want me to go to school, like, really, really bad. And, um, like, I have African parents, so that's, like, their morals. Like, you have to go to school. <laughs> so, like, I have to do that, like, probably. But, um, uh, everything else, like, was pretty sweet for me. Like, I stayed at home, and, um, I had a job. Like, I actually really did enjoy my last job before I started m- making music. So I wasn't even in a rush to quit it. Like, I was actually kind of sad quitting my job. I was like, wow, like, I make way more selling beats than I am here. Like, why am I still here? It was at that point. I was just like, wow, I guess I got to leave now. So, yeah, I left in Christmas last year, 2019, December. And I just n- didn't go back after, like, the winter break. So, yeah. All right, let's 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 talk about um, income being a factor. Back in May... Yeah. Uh, so just a couple months after you quit your job, you you showed your BeatStar stats live, I think, on a YouTube uh, stream. Uh huh. And you had generated nearly forty thousand in a thirty day period. Yeah. Is that pretty consistent for you? Uh, now, yeah. Well, it depends. Like the number, uh, like I've I've had like some low points after that, like. I, and I was just experimenting stuff, so like that's what it is, like finding out what works and what doesn't work. So, um, yeah, like, but I'm I'm right back up there again now. So I know I have to do like a part two, cause like, <laughs> and talk about what I went through, cause I kind of went through it like a little bit. What like, were some things not that like you went through that you experimented like, with that? Um, I noticed some of my eyes were running and like. And I'm like, yo, like, these numbers are, like, really high. Like, I'm paying a lot of money into, like, ads and stuff. So I just had to go back and see, like, what I was doing wrong. Like, because, um, yeah, like, I was just trying different numbers, like, putting less into beats this week, like, putting more, like, changing keywords. Like, I've just been experimenting. So, yeah, I didn't lose too much. Like, I didn't go under, like, 30 or anything. But, um, yeah, it was just ba- Back in between thirty to forty, you're talking about um, YouTube ads specifically, or, or other types of ads. Um, just oh, YouTube ads. But I've been trying. I'm get. I've been getting into the Facebook ads, 
But yeah, uh, I've been. It was really the YouTube ads that I've experienced with. Yeah, I think that's that's when I first started hearing your beats just on YouTube ads. Um, really? Yeah. When, so when you started doing that, because because the thing about these ads platforms is they're not self-explanatory. It's not like posting a picture to Instagram. So how did you go about learning those ads platforms? I, uh, I did not start. I don't know. Maybe I think I I think I saw someone else's ad before, and I was like, "How do you do this? Like, this is smart, you know." So I I I just searched it up. Like, how do you run ads? Like, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. What kind of budgets did you experiment with, and what kind of seemed to work for you? Uh, in the beginning, I always saw they say uh, start up with like five dollars a day, but now I'm hearing like don't do that. Like it's nothing. So at first, I was starting off with like five dollars a day for for a beat, and um, yeah, it was still working, I guess, but it just wasn't really pushing. Um, but yeah, once I started throwing more into it, like putting more pressure on it, then it uh, yeah, it's booming. What what advice can you give to producers who are interested in starting um, running their YouTube ads? Um, definitely don't even get into ads right away. Like I would definitely suggest that. Like, make sure your beats are first up there because it don't even matter if you run ahead of, like on something that people don't even want to listen to. Like, it's pointless. I say just you know work on your beats and gain try to gain somewhat of an audience without the ads. Like. You know, just put that extra work and, like, actually DM people or, like, I don't know, like, there's there's some strategies that you can run before you run ads because, but if you have the money, though, you you might be able to do it right away. But if you don't, I would say, like, there's definitely other ways before you uh, run ads. Let's talk about some of those other ways because um, I've had. For example, I've had Andrew from TubeBuddy come on here to talk about keyword research and SEO optimization. What kind of keyword research, what kind of SEO do you do for you, your YouTube videos? Well, in the beginning, I feel like it wasn't really with the SEOs. I feel like I was just putting myself everywhere. Like I was well, not everywhere, but just like on really good platforms. Like I was on YouTube and I was putting my beats on Instagram like. You could, uh, like, it was high quality, like, you can see it, and I was running ads on there. And uh, also, I was putting it on SoundCloud, and at the time, like, people were really going to SoundCloud for beats, so I really felt like that helped. Like, and it was just all be linked. Like, on SoundCloud, you have my link to YouTube, on YouTube, I have my link to SoundCloud. Like, so, yeah, I feel like that helped. I don't know why. I, the reason I really stopped SoundCloud, though, was because, like, you don't really monetize, and it's like, you don't gain anything, like, email lists or anything. So, but when you yeah. were uploading to soundtrack SoundCloud, were you um, directing people to your your BeatStars page? Uh, at the end, in the beginning, I didn't know that you could like click to put the link in there and they can buy it straight from SoundCloud. But I think that's really cool. I don't know if that really helped, you know, but because um, mm. I don't know if there's a way to track it, you know. But I was doing that though at the end. Yeah, I think that's the unfortunate part about some of these platforms. Do you use other platforms other than BeatStars and YouTube to uh, upload beats? Like Snapchat, like sometimes, like I put a, I put a preview and people will be like, "Yo, like drop that or whatever," and I'll do it and then I'll buy it. So, but I don't actually like sell beats on Snap or not. Got it. That'd be crazy uh, though. You probably could do that. I I think you can do it. If you have the right level of ingenuity, you do it on any platform, right? Yeah, literally. And that's part of, like, the hustle right there. So with with regard to YouTube SEO, I mean, I know you said that you kind of don't focus too much on that, but your beats have very consistent keywords. Um, I've noticed that almost all of your beats have either the G Herbo or the Meek Mill tags on them. Sometimes both. Yeah. How did you how did you start doing that? Why have you continued doing that? Well, those are just the beats I felt like people were 
gravitating towards. So I just kept uploading them and I knew I knew how to make them. And that's what they were. So that's why I tagged them as like G Hero type beat or Meek Mill type beat. And um, yeah, I experienced because sometimes I want to add a, like a different flavor to my channel. And I'm like, I want to throw another keyword on there, you know, and just try to build on it. So I might like switch it over. And I started doing Drake and I actually rank on like Drake sample type beat. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like there's a few keywords that I rank crazy on. Like it's like Nipsey, it's uh, Rick Ross. There's sample type B that I rank good on, um, so full like, so there's a few like I experienced with a with a few of them. I try not to just rank on some like one thing, like try to rank on multiple. That way you rank even more. Yeah. So what kind of tools are you are you using? TubeBuddy using uh, VidIQ to kind of uh, yeah VidIQ VidIQ I use and. Uh, yeah, and just like the YouTube analytics, like you can, like it's actually there for free. Like YouTube will tell you how well you're ranking. So, mm. what other parts of the YouTube analytics do you really monitor for yourself? Uh, is this vidIQ and YouTube like studio? Like I have the app and I just check it, see if like, uh, and vidIQ, I, th- I feel like it's really the, the, like the, the goat. Do you, do you check your um, like click through rates or your watch time or anything like that regularly? Um, like sometimes, like every now and then, like maybe like three times a week actually. Like I'm, I look at it and then um, yeah, I just see what's working this week and what's not. Like I look at it especially when it comes to running ads. Like I see what your ads are like people clicking on. I feel like that's important as well. Like you have to look at those keywords as well. That's what my part two video is going to be on, actually, when I make that, when I do that live. Well, your your ad strategy with with YouTube is that you're targeting, um, you're targeting keywords, right? Uh yeah, and yeah, like yes, it's not. I feel like it's I'm ta- I'm targeting keywords, but like not just keywords, like a type of crowd, like like if you really think deep about it, like it's not just keywords. You're trying to like. I don't know, get a um, rank in a type of crowd and a type of, uh, like, sound, too, in a way. So, yeah. But, yeah, that's the goal, though. That's the rank. What do, what do you mean by that? I guess what what do you do when so you're running an ad? How do you how do you target people? How do you how do you decide who is um, seeing your ads? Uh, How do I decide who's seeing my ads? Um, so like I said, like I run ads on like a type of sound that like I wanted to rank on, not just a keyword. Like, for example, if you're making like, like an R&B type B, like, let me see, like Chris Brown or something, then you got to think of another artist that probably sounds like Chris Brown and then try to rank around that tire sound. Like it's not just one keyword, like. Like, G Herbal and Meek Mill are kind of in the same, like, sound. You know what I mean? Like, so it's trying to rank in a sound, not just, like, one keyword. So, like, yeah, like, Rick Ross and Meek, it makes sense. Like, Meek was on, like, Maybach. So, like, I just thought, like, yeah, like, it makes perfect sense, you know? Like, don't don't just try to rank, don't just think of the keywords. Like, think of, like, like I said, the sound and, like, yeah, the sound. But at the end of the day, you're still targeting a certain number of, of keywords, right, in the ad when you yeah. set it up? So how yeah. many do you usually do? Like, what, what do you limit yourself to? How many ads do I run? No, how many, how many keywords per ad? Uh, just the ones that make sense. I, I used to think just loaded up, like, everything. Like, and I'm pretty sure I said that in my last video. I was like, you know, pit a lot. But now I'm just like, I, I do put a lot in the beginning and then I limit them to what's actually working. So I don't have to, you know, spend a lot of money on stuff that's not on ass or aren't working. So, yeah, I think I think a good solid 10 is good enough for that. That's mine. They're all I don't related. Know. Yeah, they're all related. And now it makes perfect sense. Mm. Um. So, so do the and I've heard. Uh, that YouTube ads don't help with video rankings. 
in, in, in a direct way, they must help in some way. Have you noticed that running ads help with your ranking? Uh, I don't know when it comes to ranking. I know it helps when it comes to building up subscribers and views and comments. Like, But I don't know when it comes to ranking. But I only run ads on stuff that like I'm ranking, like that like I know I can rank in. So I don't know. I kind of, I kind of, yeah. I don't know if if they have anything, if they help with ranking or not. Okay, that's a good point. So so when you decide which beats you're going to advertise, you look at which ones are already doing pretty well because if people already like them, then yeah. So I know when they see it on the ad, like they're going to click it because they're going to like it. I, think I actually a, go by I actually go by how much it sells, like, because at the end of the day, like, you want to convert it to a sale. So I look at which beats sell the most, and chances are they're the ones that have the most views anyway. So they kind of do connect in a way, you know. So, so yeah, I think yeah, a lot of producers will will kind of pick the beats that they like the best. And we we you talked about this at the beginning. It, it's like the beats that you personally as a producer think are the best aren't necessarily the ones that rappers want. Yeah, it's crazy. Like my boy was here, Evan, he was telling me, um, he was here when I posted the twenty twenty vision B and he's I don't remember this, but he said he remember like I was like iffy about it. Like I was asking like, yo, bro, do you think like this is like actually good enough? Cause I actually do ask my friends sometimes, like, yo, like yeah, I should post this on my YouTube. And uh he was like, Yeah, like just post it, bro. Like it's fire. So like I did it and uh yeah, and turned out as she was. Yeah, that is that's that's crazy. I think a lot of producers have those stories about beats that they're iffy about becoming kind of their big sellers or their, their yeah. placements. I know it's crazy. Um, let's see some. Oh, actually, I'm gonna try to get some more questions in. I want to ask you a question. Kind of a kind of personal. Um, what are what are some of the sacrifices that you've made in your life in order to find success in the online beat licensing space? Uh, definitely stop going to parties as much. because uh, this this at the time like I graduated high school, so this mm. was like senior summer when I started taking it serious. And yeah, I just didn't go to as many parties. Like I was down senior week, like with my laptop cooking up beats on there. So you just have to really lock in. Like, I used to hear that all the time, too, before I started, like, getting success. Like, they'd be like, just lock in. And I was like, how? Like, I'm like I'm supposed to, like, go out, hang out with my friends and stuff. So I just took it serious and just really locked in. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really got to lock in. And, um, yeah, just learn about it and understand how it works, you know? And, uh... Yeah, that's what you, really what I think you have to do. That's what I did, and that's what worked for me. Here's the question, and I think... Oh, yeah, this is sacrifices, though. But, oh, yeah, bad. like, I just didn't go out as much, and, uh, and I still don't. Like, you know, you're going to catch me in the studio before you catch me at a, at the bar or something. Like, even if COVID wasn't happening, like, that's just what it is. But, yeah, that's the sacrifice. Here's a question that I hear a lot from producers. If they're not getting traction on their YouTube channel, they're wondering if they should start an entirely new channel. Um, With you, did you start getting traction right away when you started uploading beats to YouTube? Not, like, the very same day, (laughs) but, like, right away in the sense, like, within a month to two months, yeah, I was, like, the numbers are going up. Mm. Yeah, then I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't answer that question. Um, yeah, maybe it's just because, like I've said in the last video, you know, like stop trying to rank for Drake, like or Travis Scott, or like Meek, like it's the chances are it's just not going to happen. Like you just have to rank for somebody that's going to come up, and there's a lot of good people on the come up. Like, so this is actually a really good time to try to find those people and rank them for them on YouTube. Uh, here's another question about scheduling. Uh, I assume you're not married and don't have kids. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
What's the, how long does it take you to make a beat video? And, and what's your process for that? I don't really make beat videos, but I'm actually going to start doing that this week. I'm, I got my camera coming in on Friday. I think he means like just the, the beat videos on YouTube that you use to sell beats. Oh, uh, after I make the beat, I just have to find the art cover, which takes about like five to ten minutes. And then I it's fast to export it from uh, what I use, and then you just upload, which doesn't take that long. What do you what do you use and did you create a template for it to make it easier? I don't I didn't create a template, but uh I use iMovie. You can upload it straight from iMovie. I actually you can literally upload it from your phone. Like I've never done that before, but like you can upload to YouTube from your phone. So it was really like an easy process. That might be something to look into, especially if you have a a demanding schedule. Yeah. Here's a great question. Yeah. Uh, can you see that question? Yeah, it's just the inflow of sex ladies after he blew up. Yo, I have to take a picture of this. Hold on. <laughs> oh, wait, I'll put it back up. <laughs> Leave it to Bufo to ask that question. Uh, yo, I just... Did y'all see my tweet, man? Like, nah, like, it's, it's actually, like, sad, yo. <laughs> but nah, it's all, it's all, it's like all a myth. It's probably a lot of um, not so sexy dudes it's, in your DMs. I bet. Yeah, I know. That's what it is. Like, it's just a bunch of collabs, and um, I feel like I don't know. I feel like the the A list guys who make crazy beats, like I feel like they probably are, but they be in the studio. Like, I don't know. I feel like producers don't get the same kind of love that rappers do. We're in the studio, like we're not at the club. Like, yeah, should we that's be? What, that's part. That's part of the sacrifices. You want the YouTube money? Like, you can't have no girls either, man. Like, this is what comes with it. Oh, mixtape B King says that's sad. Well, you know. I mean, bro, they're gonna come. <laughs> like, I think they're I don't gonna know if this come. Is ser- like, I feel like this is a serious, but not a serious conversation. We're like, yeah. If like, nah, like, they're gonna come. I'm just focused on my purpose more than them, so I'm not gonna chase them, but like, I I probably could like chase them now and it would work like flex, just flex a little so you know but what am I gonna pull out my YouTube and be like look at all these like like they don't care about that I feel like, like it has nothing to do with I don't I don't know I feel like producers don't really I don't know you know what I what I mean like the girls have, really I mean, care have, about um, producers like they don't like do that here's a here's a question. Um, because I know there are are women who are producers in the chat. How has what's what's yeah. your opinion on that? Are you yeah uh, for them? You know what I really think. I I feel like producers are going to always slide in their DM and be like, "Let's collab," just because they're a girl and they think she looks good. Like I've yeah, seen it good. happening. Like Lil Cece on the beat, for example. Like there's guys like always just simping in their comments. Like, and she's a producer. Yeah, I I know because I was in her DMs trying to get her on this um, this show. I really For didn't real? want to talk to her about it. She didn't reply. Um, I don't even think yeah. she read my my DM. But she yeah, she's, she's like you're not nose networking. Nose networking with her. <laughs> nah, she, yeah, she's she out of here. For, yeah, once once you once you have a Drake single, you're not answering my DMs. Like that's like clutch too. Like like for her, like because. That's a crazy play. Like, I feel like being a girl would help in situations like that for sure. Yeah, I think for standing sure. out any type of way is going to help. Yeah, but I feel like rappers are always willing to open up to a girl that looks good. Like, so, like, if you say you're in the, <laughs> can I pull up the studio, play beats, and then you pull up and it's actually hard, and then be like, oh, snap. Like, well, like, this was easy. Yeah, I don't know how that. I wanted to ask her about that because she was she she has two careers, production and modeling. So yeah, I wonder how there's there's overlap between those two. I think I think it's really interesting. I want to just interview more producers on here, whether they're women, whether they're just like no more just like regular straight dudes because we kind of know how that is because that's who we are. Yeah, but, but, so it's just it's different. 
perspectives, and we don't always <laughs> consider that in in the in the producer world. Yeah, uh, this one girl's cool, Monique Lennon. But I don't know if she has B stars. Like, are you looking for people? That yeah, she's B-stars? she's. She I have, have her scheduled. Yeah, she's coming. Monique Winning is going to be here. I want to say next month. No, this month, oh, October. Yeah, I'm gonna tune yeah. into that. She's got a gang of placements too. Yeah, actually, I'm actually looking at her page. Like Chopper. Yep. Like she did Emily Chopper. She did a uh, 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 light skin Keisha. She did a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I feel like being a girl would probably help. I'm not even gonna lie. Well, I'll ask her, and I'll say that that that, that was your theory. Um, cool. We're we're at about a minute left. I appreciate all of you for tuning in. I want to respect everyone's time. Um, Othello, one more time, thank you so much for for joining us today. Yes, sir. How do people pleasure, follow you? Know. What's the best way? Othello beats on everything. I know on Twitter there's an underscore after your name, though. There is. I think it's at Othello beats underscore right. Uh, let me check to make sure. Uh yeah, Ashley, you're right. I should be your manager. See, look at this. Yo, I didn't even know this. <laughs> <laughs> I was a kid, I guess. Like when I did that, I don't remember. How old are you now? Nah, I wasn't a kid. I don't know. I why well, I said that. I'm 22. I just turned turn. Tw- I just turned 22. Oh, you're technically still an adolescent then. Really? <laughs> I think From I made a- that when I was like 19. No. So. I came up with the name DJ Payne One when I was nineteen. So yeah, you just can't you can't escape the the decisions you make when you're when you're a teenager. Um, cool man. With shout out to everyone tuned in. This will be archived www.beatstars.world, and Dame will be here on Monday, same time, same place. I'll be back next Thursday, same time, same place. Check the schedule at musicentrepreneurclub.com, and you will see exactly when Monique winning will be on because I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. Once again, thank you, Othello. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. DJ Payne1, beatstars.com. I'm out. Peace. Peace.